Left. Right. All right, thank you for joining us. This is a pretty cool episode. I enjoyed it. This is the advice episode. We asked your questions on all different social media platforms, and uh, you guys gave us some pretty thought-provoking questions. I think we gave you some pretty damn good answers. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think of our answers. I'll see you guys on the other end. And as always, thank you for joining. Please don't forget any interaction with this podcast helps, whether you like, you subscribe, you comment. It's all good for us, and it's all super appreciated. Thank you. See you soon. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. There goes the long pour, and we're live. Welcome to Sip Talk. This is episode 139. My name is Justin DiGiulio out of my basement in New Jersey. I am joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell, accountant, philosopher, referee, bartender out of Charleston, South Carolina. What is up, James? Same as always, just locking the loans and running 401k deposits. Yeah, speaking of 401k, I might start signing up for some races. I, I'm trying to get back into this running thing. I just, I'm getting old, man. I would start with a 5k. 401k is a long, long, long war. <laughs> yeah, long no, run. yeah, definitely, definitely. I could, I could start with the 5k and, uh, and let's and introduce our topic and then we can digress. We could, yeah, we're getting in trouble for that a lot. Uh, today is the advice column from Sip Talk. We're answering your guys' questions live on air. If you're watching on Instagram, you can check the link in my profile, and uh, we're getting a live call via via Facebook. We're not gonna. My TV's ringing. That's new. Um, but if you're watching, if you're watching live on Instagram, you can check the link out through Instagram and join us there. Don't don't call me right now. Don't call me on Facebook. But check us out on, on Instagram. Click that link. We'll bring you in. We'll answer your question live. Unless you're a joker, then we'll probably hear you out, fuck with you a little bit, and kick you off. Holy fuck. Are we already getting advice questions? Yeah. This, uh, we keep getting the, these messages here through uh, through Facebook. You All right. Well, be, let's hit them. You got to be on Instagram. We can, I don't know how to do. Uh... All right. Well, well, we'll bring this guy in, see what he's got to say. I don't know how it's going to go. But uh, let's see. Let's let's give it a shot. This is not a video call, right? Uh, allow. All right. Let's see how this goes. Hello. Hello. All right. That didn't work very well. So All right. Again, next caller. <laughs> the idea is that you call in through the Instagram link, which will bring you to Zoom. I'm sorry, pal. We're going to, I don't know how to, Christ almighty. Let's try it again. Uh, no, we're just going to, we're going to block this, this guy. Sorry, pal. Um, yeah, sorry, dude. We got to, you, you're just interrupting us. So sorry, Dean. Love to bring you back on. Shoot me a message. Otherwise, we will bring you into the podcast. Um, 
So you were mentioning right before we got started. Um, have you gotten vaccinated yet? So I told you the other day, I went to the place to get vaccinated. I went all the way over there. I filled out all this paperwork and uh, they ran out of the vaccine. I was close to closing time. I don't know what the deal was, but apparently they, they ran out of the vaccine. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the vaccine. One, I just don't really think I'm eligible. Two, I'm pretty convinced I had it already. And, you know, bear in mind, I haven't had health insurance for uh, 17 years uh, up until up until recently. So I'm not somebody that just generally routinely goes like I'll suffer through like a toothache and just suffer through like debilitating pain, take some drugs, try to get out of my life. But my my first step isn't go in. I've never gotten a flu vaccine. I'm not against vaccines. It's just it's not something that's usually covered for me. And it's not the first thought in my mind. Well, this one should be covered for you. Well, it, well, yeah. And it was my understanding of doing a little research. It would, but again, you know, I'm mid thirties. I'm, you know, I, I breathe pretty well. I'm not worried about, uh, not worried too much about getting sick. Uh, and I'm convinced I already had it and you wouldn't typically need a vaccine for something you already had. However, what I said early on was nobody's going to take this fucking vaccine unless they introduce some good incentives. And that's not going to be a ticket to a Mets game. That's not, that's not a good enough incentive for New York State to sign up, nor is it 100 bucks. I don't think people who don't want it. If you want to get a vaccine, you're going and getting it. If you don't want to get a vaccine, you need either a decent incentive or a strong disincentive. And, and I said, you know, when they introduced the incentives, I said, those are bullshit. I don't want tickets to a Mets game. I don't need a hundred bucks. I'm not willing to take the afternoon off of work and maybe the next day off of work if I feel sick to get it. But I said, you know, if they're not going to introduce better incentives, they need to introduce some better disincentives. And now that they've closed off all of the restaurants to eat inside, and especially now that it's getting cold out in New York City, that's a pretty big disincentive considering one of my favorite pastimes is chilling out at the bar. So uh, I looked up some uh, some places in Jersey, and on my ride home today, I got jabbed. Uh, and I got the you know everybody's got different opinion on the different different. Uh, Which one did you get? The single dose. I didn't want to have to go. Johnson back. and Johnson. Yeah. So now now I'm good. That's it. Yeah, Don't you should be fun. And uh, actually, I do feel a little like crap uh, tonight. So I figured it'll go I'm- away after a day. I, I got the Pfizer. The first one didn't affect me at all. I felt fine immediately afterwards and didn't feel anything like the next day or two. The second one put me out for about a day, but then I was good again. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. I usually just kind of suffer through that shit anyways, just being sick. So I will survive. Um, but I do. uh I do like the fact that the Johnson and Johnson is a bit more so of your traditional, uh, uh, what do you call it? Traditional vaccine. It's yeah. Kind of a, a deactivated virus that your body can recognize. Yeah. And I was familiar with that. So it seemed comfortable. Now they're saying shit can happen to you, but I'm not, again, I know math. So I like, if I'm, if I'm that concerned of something happen, happening to me, I ought to dump a bunch of money into like the lotto because they're about the same odds. Yeah, the, the number of people that have had really severe side effects from these vaccines is absurdly low. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about any of that shit. And again, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, you know, it, it, just be safe, guys. Well, good. Uh, Glad you got vaccinated. Everyone else out there who isn't, go do it. It's not a big deal. Wear condoms. 
Use a seatbelt. Don't run with scissors, and and you, life will be better for you. Um, but do drive with scissors. <laughs> do drive with scissors. Um, wash your hands. I'm not a big hand washer. Right. I I'm all nah. I'm all for germs. I'm a, I'll rinse the hands just to make the other people around me feel comfortable. And if somebody's in the room, I'll rather than just get them wet and wipe them off, I'll let like let the water run for like eight seconds, and then and then wipe my hands off. I've always been big on having clean hands and clean feet. I don't feel clean if if either my hands or feet aren't clean. I'm I'm more of a crotchal or underpit type of. Those are the main focus. You know, anything that's going to smell bad is really my. So feet, I guess they're up there. Maybe after the the crotch and the underarm. Uh, all right, all right, let's so, get some of these questions. Let's let's hit, let's hit, um. Uh, let me leave with the first one because this is a new one to you. And uh, the question was, because I sent you some of these questions earlier in the day. Again, if you guys have questions, hit the link in my Instagram profile. We'll bring you in. You don't have to be on video. We can do voice only. We'll bring you on. We'll answer your advice questions. It's nice for some of these questions that we have a little more background. Uh, James has a couple of questions that we have some pretty detailed background. Um, I have some questions where you guys just sent a brief one sentence question through Instagram DMs. Uh, but uh, most recent question. I have 32 tabs open my laptop. Can you help me get organized? Now, I feel like I'm a better person to answer this question because I have a feeling that you probably have somewhere between 30 and 50 tabs open. Counting right now. You can start while I count. Um, yeah, I'm going to answer the question. Uh, hi, Lisa. If you want to... Uh, if you want to join, hit that link in my uh, Instagram profile and we can bring you in. Uh, you can do audio only, but to ask your advice question. So how do you get organized? And I think the question really stems from the fact that you're a bit ADD. And I think pretty much everybody today is a little ADD. So what happens is you start something and then you get distracted and you start something else. And you're not getting anything done, which is why you have 32 tabs open. How do you consolidate that and get more stuff done? How do you get organized? Now, I don't know what the rest of your life looks like because the context isn't there in the question. But how do you deal with ADD and having all these unfinished things done? My, my advice is that you have to, you know, horses have blinders. You know, they walk the horses. The horses have the blinders on. They can't look sideways. Um, so they walk in a straight line unless they're pulled one way or the other. And so there's always going to be things happening all over the place that are going to distract you. But what you have to do is commit to putting those blinders on. What I do every once in a while, because I, I open uh, a bunch of tabs on my smartphone is, and I get text messages and messages all fucking day long. But what I'll do is I'll open my browser and then I'll look at each one of those tabs, read the article or do whatever it was that I pulled that tab open for and then close the tab, move on to the next one. So I could have 12 tabs open in my Chrome or Safari browsers on my phone, and I'll just spend eight to 12 minutes completing each one of those tasks individually, ignoring calls, ignoring texts, ignoring anything that, ha that happens, and those are my blinders. I just know that I have those eight or 12 minutes to do only one thing. And same thing on the computer. Right now I have on the browser window that I'm looking at right now, probably 12 tabs, but that's because I have content that I want to include in this episode and I have some work stuff. So uh, ultimately before I 
close the laptop for the day, I'll finish everything I was working on. And then if there's work stuff, I'll separate that tab into a work only window and it'll be tabs work related on that window. And then whatever other BS is left undone by the time I'm ready to step away from the computer, I'll leave that in a different window. Uh, that's my, you got too much going on in your computer. You're disorganized and you got ADD. That's my advice on that is you just got to put some blinders on, commit some time to not being interrupted. What I find really helps if you're feeling overwhelmed with too many things to do is take five or 10 minutes with a pen and paper and write down a list of all the things that need to be done. Then from that list, put the deadline for each one of those things. And then once you have the deadline, you can prioritize. And then like the next, I don't know, don't go out more than about four or five days, but put, take all the things that are on your list that say there's 10 things on that list and you're going to go out five days. Well, take two of those things and put them down for Friday, two of the things for Saturday, two of the things for Sunday, and basically just say, my Friday is not complete until I've finished these two things. That's, that's actually classic advice. And that's where, that's where I got these uh, small legal pads from is just for, simply for making lists and checking things off the list. So if I got a weekend to do list or a work list, I'll throw them on here. You don't want to put too, too many. I'm guessing you have something similar. Yeah, like you can't. Yeah, so these like, are our, our four inch by nine. There, there's inch some kind of like confidential information on this sort of, so you shouldn't be able to read it, but you can see that there's a whole bunch of stuff on here, and you might be able to see that some of the stuff is crossed out. Uh, that's that's good. So, but it's focus and it's prioritizing, and uh, I'm going to hit the next question because it's it's somewhat related. And that next question, uh, I think this one comes from Pete, and it says. How do I structure a disciplined schedule? Now, Pete, I happen to know, is a real estate agent. And I also happen to know he's very ADD, maybe a little ADHD. So uh, I know where he's coming from in this. But James, I'll let you, you get a crack at it. How do you set a disciplined schedule and, and stick to it? Um, reminders on your phone are a good start it's it's kind of similar to the list idea is every day when you wake up know what you need to accomplish and well and that's let me just stop you there and go on with it but the nice thing about the list is that you can prioritize your list and you can have must do's on the list and if you start every day while you wake up and you go through a list uh, that's a really good way to start your day. And then if other must do's come up during the day, you write them on the list, but mm -hmm. the simple act in writing them down and acknowledging them and having a physical reminder, something that you can cross out, write on, add to subtract to outside of the nebula of your brain is very, very powerful because you, you're going to have distractions cross through your brain. Nobody's, nobody's writing check Instagram for 30 minutes on the notepad. That's not a thing. But you're and what you can do to incentivize yourself is whatever it is you do to relax and have fun, whether it's watch a show you like, play some video games, 
check Facebook, check Instagram, whatever else, just say, I'm not allowed to do that until, like, let's say you've got three things to do. I'm not allowed to do any of the things that I enjoy until I have knocked out one of those things. And then I'll do that thing that I enjoy for 20 or 30 minutes. And then I'm not allowed to do anything that I enjoy until I knock out the next thing. And you build in little rewards. So you do something that you don't like, you get to do something that you do like. And then by the time you've knocked out the last thing on your list, you're like, all right, cool. I'm free for the day. I can do whatever I want. So build rewards that come immediately after you do something on your list that you might not necessarily enjoy doing. Yeah, I think that's, but again, you're blocking stuff out and that's, that's kind of where I was getting with those blinders. But yeah, the, uh, again, the written handwritten, that's always good. Yeah. Let me just hit some TikTok. Uh, comments like, real dude, quick. Um, all right. Yeah. Go ahead and read those comments and I'll oh. tell a very quick story about something that I had to do when I was in the accounting office. So from Jessica, good evening. Let Love Rain says, focus time is key. So taking time to focus. Uh, James, you're on point. And learn to say no sometimes from TikTok. Yeah, that's important. Say, like if you're overloaded, then you just need to say, look, I don't have the bandwidth to handle that right now. Check back with me in a couple days or I'll point you to the, in the direction of someone else who can help. But I, well, I just yeah. don't have the capacity right now. But also sometimes explaining, explaining that, you know, what I have sometimes to, you don't explain, just say, I can't help. Well, I'm sorry. No, but, but here's my, my predicament, predicament often in the office is that somebody will come up to me and say, hey, I really need help on this. And I'll say, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. And what's built into that is you were hired at, you know, basically with me as as telling you that I'd be in your corner. I'm going to help you with everything that you need. But you come to me when you need help in that instant and I'm unavailable to you. But what I have to explain to people is I'm here all day long. You can reach me by phone any hour of the day. You can text me any hour of the day. I'm in the office for six to nine hours every single day. You happen to stroll in for four minutes and demand my time in that moment. Unfortunately, I may not be available in every moment, but I will make sure that I have time for you. It just needs to be a schedule that is conducive to, to us both being free and me being able to help you. But you know, if you just march in, you have a four minute window and expect my help then, unfortunately that's not, I can't guarantee I can drop every single thing that I'm doing, but I can guarantee that I will make time for you. And if you stick around or you check in with me later or you schedule something with me, I'll make it happen. Yeah, and there are sometimes if there's a task that's important enough, you need to find a way of shutting the world out and focusing only on that. Um, back in the spring, I had a report that was due for the account uh, on, in the accounting world, and I kept on getting distracted by work emails or other things that I had to do that were work-related but weren't for this particular report. So at one point, I got frustrated, and I just said, you know what? I left my desk, and I went into a conference room, and the conference room didn't have any windows to the outside. I went into the conference room. I turned off all the lights. And I brought a work laptop with me. I said, I am only working on this report and I'm not leaving this room and I'm not turning on the lights until I've gotten this report to where I want it to be. And I spent like maybe an hour, hour and a half in there in complete darkness. And like somebody came in and was like, what are you doing? I said, leave me alone. I'm working. Did you bring your cell phone with you? No. Yeah, that's exactly. That's the way to do it. The problem now is that every computer, well, every computer I use gets my text messages. My fucking TV was just ringing. Uh, because somebody is calling through Facebook. So 
Uh, but you know, you sometimes you just need to like go dark. Oh yeah. And if you if you need to get things done, there are so many distractions these days that it's if you don't have a system in place, or you you don't have that strong willpower, or you are a bit ADD, which everybody is. You just have to eliminate the distraction. Uh, all right. You got you. you have we said that? hi to Lisa yet? I, I think we said hi to Lisa. I hope we didn't. I see Lisa. I see Irma. I see Jen Jen. What's up, guys? Astrid. Uh, Let Love Rain on TikTok. Hey, guys. I see a few more of you guys on TikTok. If you guys want some advice, you have a specific question, check out Instagram. And in my profile, Justin DiGiulio on Instagram, there's a link and you can jump into the show here. Uh, somebody already tried to do it through Facebook, but unfortunately, you won't get through on Facebook. Yo, can I um, hit one of uh, the questions that I got that gives a little bit more background? Yeah, I want to well, see, see where your what your take is on this one. Yeah, I gotta find a way to open this beer over here. All right, well, um, while you're doing that, I'll read this read one the, out. Yeah, read the question. Oh, also, guys, don't forget you uh, you can subscribe and you can catch all of our episodes on any 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 audio podcast platform. Or on YouTube. So if you want to hear us after the fact, if you're only jumping in for 30 seconds tonight, uh, feel free. And don't just feel free. Feel obligated <laughs> to uh, check out YouTube, Sip Talk, or uh, Sip Talk on any audio podcast platform. Go ahead, James. All right, here we go. My partner really wants to get married, but I'm hesitant to legally bind myself to someone who doesn't have their financial ducks in a row. They work freelance, so they don't have access to a 401k. They're 37 years old, and it was only recently that they put $500 into an IRA, and it was just to appease me. They don't have any investment stocks or other type of retirement plan besides the, the $500 they just invested. The good news is they're not in debt, and they make about $80,000 a year before taxes. I'm frustrated because she doesn't, seem, she doesn't seem to value planning for a healthy financial future as much as I do. And frankly, I don't want to take care of someone who could have figured this stuff out but didn't. Am I being unreasonable to ask them to work on this before considering marriage? A prenup was mentioned, and she seems willing to sign one. I make about six figures, and my career is continuing to, to improve. But is that enough? I can't tell how much I'm putting the cart before the horse here. Or, or if what I'm desiring out of a partner is fair. Um, a couple, couple quick questions. So the partner is 37 years old. Yeah. Um, do we know how old the question asker is? No, let's assume that they're okay. probably about 40. Okay. Uh, heterosexual relationship? Well, let's also assume that. I didn't hear any he or, he or she. I just heard partner. partner. Partner is female. We don't know if the person who's asking the question is male or female. I don't think it matters. Okay. I mean, I'm assuming it's a guy. But Let's just assume it's a guy that's probably about 40 and she's 37. Okay. And the 37-year-old doesn't have any investments. We don't know if they have savings or money in the bank. Um, if they make We'd have to 000. assume that they probably don't have much in the bank. No, maybe, maybe not, but, um, they don't have they, anything saved for retirement besides the $500 they just put in. Well, yeah. Which they throw in just to appease the partner. Yep. They're 1099. Yep. Okay. So my guess right off the bat is that I don't, when you say you make six figures, it means you make a little over a hundred thousand. Okay. Six. Yeah. When you're referring to when you use the term six figures, it usually means you're on the low end of it. I, it, 
My bet is 120,000. That's that's about what I was thinking. Now I have a feeling that somebody who makes 120,000 who's putting money into retirement funds, things like that, versus somebody who makes 80,000 1099 live very similar lifestyles spending habit wise because 120,000 after taxes is closer to 80,000 plus you have the money going into the different savings accounts. So I imagine they spend pretty similarly. And somebody who's on 1099 wants to spend as much as possible so they can write off as much as possible so they don't have to pay as many taxes. But the thing about being on 1099 is the more you save and don't spend, the more you have to declare as just simple income and you can't write it off with expenses. So well, I just that's imagine- that's completely uh, true. But point but... Is, no, it's generally true. And- uh, I imagine that they live similar lifestyles and have similar spending habits, except that the younger person isn't making the progress when it comes yeah. to long-term planning. So here's now, the question that we're trying to address, though, is, is it fair well, for... I'm, getting there. I'm okay. getting there. Because basically, this guy's saying, I, I got my shit together. I'm late 30s, maybe early 40s. I got my shit together. Now, I found somebody I like, and obviously... They must like them if they're considering marriage, um, but they're hesitant because that person isn't as good with money. Now, I, I don't see as much of an issue with this as, as the, the person asking for the advice does. I think if you really care about somebody it would be really lousy to ruin that relationship because the other person isn't great with money. Now, traditionally, there's one person who makes more money than the other. And well, it's virtually impossible more, not to. Does more supporting, yeah, unless you have the exact same job and exact same career trajectory. Now, my guess is any other relationship, you would probably have somebody that makes considerably less and doesn't live a spending lifestyle a similar way that you do. Now... Given it's 2021 and people, you know, and that gap is getting closer, I still don't think abandoning this relationship to find another relationship where somebody has their shit together. And my guess is probably also this person's a little bit younger, but somebody who has their shit together is uh, is going to happen. I don't think you're going to find as great of a person. I think you're going to live a lot of, in a lot of regret that you broke up with somebody. And I, to me, this sounds a bit superficial. It, 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 it sounds like a bullshit proposition. And, uh, you know, well, I, th I think, you know, basically you could do your best to intermingle finances and maybe build an investment or savings account for your and her future. Here's, here's where the concern lies. Cause I'm going to take, I'm going to take the, the writer's perspective on this one, at least for the sake of argument. Which is, if I'm going to be mixing my finances with yours, and you've demonstrated a poor history in terms of how you manage your finances, then I'm going to have issues trusting that when you're spending not only your own money, but also mine, that you're going to be spending it responsibly. But who's saying they have access to the other person's money? If you get married, most people who are married will have a joint account. And if and even if you don't, unless there's a prenup, then 
all money earned after marriage and all assets acquired after marriage are considered to be jointly owned, regardless of whether you have separate bank accounts. Well, and that was a question. So it sounds like the other person was open to a prenup. So that sounds pretty reasonable. But the point is that this person is less is is unsatisfied because they haven't found somebody that makes similar money, saves the same amount of money, and lives a similar spending lifestyle as them. And I just think that's fucking life. So get the fuck over it. All right. Your relationship wasn't built on finding somebody that earns the same amount of money as you. Your relationship's built on finding I don't think it's about earning the same amount. I think it's about being responsible with the money that you do have. Okay. But but again, that the cool thing about intermingling lives and ending up in a relationship is that you now have more money to spend on the same amount of expenses. So your two rents, instead of spending $5,000 a month, now you can move into a place and spend $3,000 a month. So you're both winning. You get a bigger place and you both spend less. I, I don't, it doesn't sound like the person is crazy, ir, crazily irresponsible with money. But I, to me, it seems like you just need to have a conversation about saving money and building a future and how are we going to buy a house well, so I think that's the best part. That's the best thing that you've said is that if this is as much of a concern for the person writing in, then they need to sit down with their partner and say, hey, everything in this relationship is good, but I have this worry about our financial future if we were to get married. But and the, he, the thing is that needs to be it needs to be marginalized because that could ruin the relationship. And I think it sounds like they actually have a good relationship. Otherwise, this person just has a stick up their ass, rightfully so, right? You know, maybe they were raised to be frugal or maybe they were raised to be financially, you know, very strict with their finances. That's fine. Not everybody's raised like that. Um, but if it's important enough in the relationship, you need to talk about it. You need to talk about it, but you can't risk ruining the relationship because of this, because I don't think relationships are built on financial equality. And, you know, having had several relationships with people that make nothing and several relationships with people that have salary jobs and savings and retirement accounts. It's, it's not, you know, and then I'm just a real estate agent, you know, where I have months and months where, you know, I make very little or months and months where I make a lot or a business owner where I've had months where I've made a ton. And then I've had months where I've lost even more somebody not willing to be with me because of the volatility of my income and, the, and my spending habits, I think is, you know, is bullshit. I think a relationship is based on more. Now you have to have your prerequisites. In so many years, we want to be able to buy a house, right? When we're so many years old, we don't want to be working nine to five every single day. So let's come up with a plan for that. But I don't think it needs to be, if you don't open a retirement account and have 50 grand in there over the next three years, this relationship is not going to work out. And that's well, the yeah, vibe. Yeah, you don't want to draw the bright vibe. lines here. But that's the vibe I'm getting from this person, and it sounds like they have a stick up their ass. So, well, think, the, the question they ask is, am I being unreasonable to ask them to work on this before considering marriage? And I think, no, you're not being unreasonable to work on it. That doesn't mean they need to be perfect and, and meet every criteria that I say. It's, do I see improvement from where they are today to where they are in six months? Look, it, to me, it sounds like, do I have to have them eat all of their dinner before they can have dessert? Yet in this particular case, dinner is like dry quinoa and some raw broccoli. <laughs> All right. Like it's, it's not an alluring, you know, 
I think it's a reasonable thing to bring up. Yeah, but I don't think it needs to be, I'm holding marriage away from you until you can get you. That's a really shitty thing to do. And well, you don't you don't phrase it that way, but well, you you, you but, could but say but that's look, what the person's thinking. Well, yeah, but you can you can phrase it in such a way to say, look, in to envision a, a long term future with you. Here's one concern that I have, and I think that this is something that can be worked on. No, bad. This is why to envision a long term future with you. So I can only see I, I can't see a future with you because you're what it implies. I can't see a future with you because you're irresponsible with money. Well, sure, so but that's what he—that's what he—that's how he actually feels. Exactly, but you need a better angle, and that's, hey, in the future, I'd like to own a home. What can we do to make that happen? Hey, in the future, I'd like to be retired by this age. What are some things you think we can make happen? Not, I can't see marrying you, unless I can see your financial, uh, you know, plan for the next thirty-five years, because what you said sounds like that. Yeah. And well, what I said sounds like. Now you know why I've been single for long stretches at a time. All right. Well, there's your advice. All right. Um, MJ says, I think he's trying to find an excuse to not marry her. It's what it hey, sounds she might like, be right. But it also sounds like it also sounds like this guy's got to stick up his ass if it is a guy. Uh, all right. Should we do a uh, uh, let me do what? some easy ones. You cool um, how do I find how do I find a mentor? Let's do that one. Okay, I was going to do actually the first three questions because I feel like they... Oh, well, all wait. For... Let's do this one because it's easy. Should I do an unpaid internship? No. <laughs> no. So these are all from Malad, who's asked a few questions on the, on the podcast. Uh, let me just hit this because I think it's on the last question. Last question. It comes through TikTok. Maybe 37-year-old employer didn't have retirement plan offered, hence 500 RA. Uh, Even IRA. if you don't have a retirement plan offered, you can still make a contribution to an IRA um, at $80,000. Even if, let's assume that she has $80,000 of income after tax. You can, make a, you can make a contribution to your IRA for up to like $6,500 in a year. So even if you don't have a 401k where you've got an employer contribution or something like that, you can still put money towards retirement and it's tax deductible. Sure. But also the, I just have $500 to throw into account to make you happy. One tells me the person isn't struggling. And two says the person wants a relationship to work, but they just have different financial values. So, you know, right, so you, they, you they need to have a meeting of the minds and how you phrase it and how it comes off. That's up to you to make it go smoothly. But well, that's and this is an advice column. So my advice is think about it. It's the cell that matters. If you say I can't see marrying you, you're, you, you're starting off on the fucking wrong foot. Probably. All right. All right so nope. let's hit the I, unpaid so, internship. I say no. Dude, unless you unless you're. Under 21, which because and I say that because. You, you can't buy alcohol, so you're saving money that way. And you live at home, and you have an allowance, and you have a car that's paid for or otherwise transportation that's paid for. Sure, do it. Give some experience. But there are paid internships out there. You just have to work a little bit harder to find them. And they may not pay well, but there's a good chance if you do a good job at them, you can get hired at that place, or you'll find it easier to get hired somewhere else. But... Don't take an unpaid internship. My accounting firm, paid internships, and a good number of our new hires are former interns. Yes. And you said un unpaid? No, paid. Paid. And also, if you're just 
trying to find internships through Indeed or Monster, you're going about it the wrong way. The way you need to be doing it is connecting with people who matter, which means you find a company that you're interested in on LinkedIn, and it gives you a list of all the employees affiliated with the business. You can connect with them. You can message them. You can ask them questions. And I find you know, LinkedIn isn't like Instagram where people are getting dick pics. LinkedIn is purely professional. People get considerably fewer messages. They get and, professional dick pics. And it's, uh, yeah, which is a, somebody's shit resume. Um, <laughs> with your <laughs> fucking unpaid internship, thinking your, your fucking dick is a foot long. No, you just work three years for making no money. You're just dumb. All right? Know your value. And it, like when I was <laughs> applying for my internship at the accounting firm before I was there full time or whatever, um, they offered me an hourly rate. And I said, I, I can't work for that much. I need more. And they said, okay, like negotiate for yourself. Like, yes, it's an internship, but you're still providing value to the company in some form and they need to compensate you for it. And there's nothing wrong with saying, this is what I need. And if they say, well, we're not, we, we aren't paying interns. And you say, well, I wish you the best of luck. And you can find somebody else in that industry. It just means you're going to get some shit interns. So yeah, pretty uh, much. Next, next question that's related is how do I find or how do I uh, convince someone uh, to be my mentor? And what you just said, and the reason I'm segueing into this question is know your value. So if you want somebody to give you guidance, you, you, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So you're asking for something free from somebody. Well, actually, there's no such thing as a free lunch. It has a different connotation. It means if somebody's giving you something free, it's not, there's something hidden behind it. But the point is nothing's free. And if you want somebody to help you, you need to provide value to them. So if it means you find somebody who you'd like to be your mentor, rather than just messaging them, can you be my mentor? You need to figure out where you can bring value to them. So if that means researching the shit out of them, or researching the shit out of their company. So if somebody wanted me to be their mentor in real estate or, or anything else, uh, I would expect, you know, I, I'd basically tell anybody no, because you're just, you're taking up too much of my time. I'm already stretched way thin and super busy. But if they were like, hey, you know, I checked out your podcast. I saw this and that. I know see your podcast has been around for a year, but, and you post a ton of episodes, but your social media presence isn't really there. You know, I'd love to help you with that in exchange for, Da, 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 da. But the point in researching somebody is that you understand where you can add value and you do your research on them and you do your research on what they do and figure out where you can edge your way in. And then you proposition them with value that you can bring to them. But I, I, you know, if you do your homework, I'm sure you can find some way to bring value. Your thoughts on finding somebody to be a mentor? I need to know a little bit more in terms of the context here because what I've found is that most of the mentoring like relationships that I've seen have arisen where you already have a relationship. So like within a workplace, let's say you're a new hire and you're trying to learn the ropes then, and there are certain people in the office or whatever job setting that you have that you respect, start by just building a relationship with them naturally. Um, yeah. And, but- but but asking somebody to be your mentor means you're taking time away from their schedule. So whether you have a relationship with them or not. I, in the refereeing world, mentoring is a really common thing. Um, and 
what we do with the newer referees is that we encourage them. We say, here are some people that you can reach out to that will provide you guidance and a mentoring like relationship if you want it. And you just have to be proactive with it. Well, yeah, being like, proactive, I, I think, is, is important. And now, can we can we get to the, the third question this guy asked? Yeah. Um, because the question is, should I get my real estate license? And my answer to you is know what you're getting into. And if you're willing to work for free and try to find a mentor, then maybe getting your real estate license isn't a bad idea. But prepare for it to suck because there's a major suckiness period in real estate until you figure out what works. And for most people, they only exist in the suckiness that never clicks for them and then they drop out. So if, if this is from the same person who just asked the last few questions, should I get an unpaid internship? Getting your real estate license as a new agent is almost like an internship, but you can be the feet for somebody else. You can do some hard work for somebody else. And if you have your license, you have the opportunity to make some money. But, and, and also getting a real estate license is fucking simple, especially in New York state. It's a two week course. And then you take a state exam. So it's, there's nothing, you know, you, if, if it's something you're interested in, you might as well give it a shot. But if you can't be miserable for four months, then it's not going to work out for you. And if you're not miserable for the first four months, it probably means you're not, you're not working hard enough. Yeah. I think that you have to understand that it's a different kind of industry than traditional jobs where you have to be the one kind of producing and filling up your own pipeline. You have to get used to deals falling through and a lot of rejection, and you have to be comfortable with kind of a volatile income where you might have a really good month and resist the temptation to buy nice things for yourself off of that good month, because that income might need, might need to carry you through a month or two where you go dry. Yeah, true. You know, I had somebody today who actually yesterday they started an application and then today uh, they were still working on getting paperwork together. And it, to me, it appeared that they had pretty much everything, everything to submit the application. But rather than just say, send me everything, I'll put it together and send it because I needed to teach them. Now, I wanted them to make the money. It's not a deal that I'm even involved in. I'm just kind of managing the situation. Um, I, I just wanted to set, put everything together and send it off and make sure they got paid. Unfortunately, for, you know, for me, but fortunately, I think in the long run, um, I waited for them to put everything together. We had a couple of sit downs where I gave them some point corrections on a few different things. And finally, by like 3.30 this afternoon, it got sent and it was complete and it looks like it's going to be good. But then, of course, afterwards, I realized we didn't have a deposit and the landlord required a deposit to hold the apartment and even to review the application. So, uh, you know, then we had and I didn't realize they didn't have that set up and, and agreement signed prior to even taking the application, which I thought was the case. But it was really difficult for me to sit in the sidelines while this person did it on their own, because certain aspect of learning, you have to, you got to do it yourself, not just watch somebody else. And they've watched me a few times. So, um, all right, let's see. Uh, I got a, a good question. Uh, and then we can, we can hit your long one. Cause actually we have a, still a lot of questions here. Um, how do I meet new people in a new city? Do you have a hobby? Mm, okay. So you're, so you're getting, 
into what I'm getting, what I think the direction I want to go, the direction I want to go is, I think you need to, you can't just go to a bookstore and expect to meet somebody that day, go to a coffee shop, expect to meet somebody that day, go to the grocery store, expect to run into somebody, start a great conversation, and then you're best friends for the next five years. Not going to happen. What I think you need to do is you need to be part of a group or part of something, but you need to be part of it. So if that means you go to the same bar every Thursday night and you, and you just chill out there for three hours, your odds of talking to somebody are going to be pretty high. Also, the more you're there, people are going to recognize you. You're going to get to know the people that work there. Uh, if you go to the same coffee shop and do some work every Tuesday morning for three hours, you're going to start to recognize some regulars. You'll see opportunity and conversation to, That's, have, to, to meet people. Those are passive approaches. They are. But, but my advice to my advice, I have no advice on go join a dodgeball club. Cause to me, that's, that's not cool. Well, no, that, that's why I asked the question, do you have a hobby? Everybody has something that they're interested in, whether it's some kind of arts and crafts, maybe it's a kind of music, maybe it's a particular board game or a sport that, like you can't be a blank slate where you have zero interests. And if you do, well, then that's, <laughs> that's a bigger issue. Well, but yeah, find well, I, something that you're interested in, find a group that meets up and does that thing and just show up because you'll immediately have something in common with everybody here, which is you all like, and I'm just going to make something up here. You all like guitar. So you can get together and well, be around other people that also like guitar. Well, let and, me here, here, here's what I'm getting at. And I think what you're getting at is the first time you go to guitar club, nobody's going to be your friend. The second no. time you go to Qatar Club, it's not very likely people are going to become your friend, but you're exposed to the same people. They're getting more comfortable with you. You're getting more comfortable with them. And I think it's the repetition. And I'm not a big fan of clubs because I'm super antisocial, but I am a big fan of having an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody. So right. I like the regularity of doing something. If it's a club and you want to and you want to join chess club or book club or Harry Potter club or you know uh zog sports where you play fucking frisbee golf or some bullshit whatever the, well it's the Dodge frisbee the thing is have a reason to be there and when you have a reason to be there you will have a reason to talk to other people and now that you have a reason to talk to other people the conversation can branch out from there Yes, I, I agree. But you have a reason to have a conversation. All right. So hit your long question. I'm hoping to get in one about uh, starting relationships, but ask your question because it's a pretty cool question. We may have different uh, advice. Uh, okay. Rosh just said, wait, did you say you're super antisocial? I think for a lot of people who don't really know me one on one, like if you actually spend a decent amount of time, you realize how crazy antisocial I am. Like I'm the guy that will invite two friends over so I can not participate in conversation. Um, but yeah, I am crazy antisocial. So I, I, I got you beat. Well, you definitely have me beat. But also I put myself, and the reason you have me beat is because I put myself in uncomfortable situations and just force myself to deal with it. Oh, I never <laughs> and I'm you. past that. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you drinking Heineken? No. What, it looks like a Heineken. What you know what it? I'm drinking. Is there, what, 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 show me the can. Oh, it's in it's in a koozie. Ah, uh, okay. It's a bush ice. 
I, I started with a Negroni actually, and uh, just yep. went to straight gin. All right. Hey, I'm going to try and get through this question quick. It's a little bit of a long one. I'm in my I'm in my early 30s, and I have a sister in her mid 30s. Our mother is in her late 50s. A few days ago, I was on my mother's home house sitting while she was on vacation. I was going through a drawer in her room to borrow a top to wear, and I found what looks to be her will. I know I shouldn't have, but I decided to read some of it, and I was taken aback by what I read. My mother's decided that instead of splitting the inheritance between me and my sister 50-50, She's going to leave the majority of her money and things, including the house and everything in it, to one child, while the other will barely get 10%. You might think that I'm the one getting left with next to nothing, but no, it's actually my older sister who's getting shorted on this. Over the years, my older sister and my mother have not gotten along very well. Part of it has to do with perceived favoritism. When I was younger, my, my mother would always gush over me while criticizing my sister, who is still her polar opposite in many ways. It seemed to worsen once I had a couple kids and my sister remained child free. I think it, it appears she thinks I have priority over my sister because of this. That's not necessarily to say that our mother intends to leave me everything because I have kids to consider. I have to say it's just as likely she's doing it despite my sister. I haven't been able to forget now that I've seen it. Of course, I would simply turn over half of everything to my sister after the fact, but I'm still uncomfortable knowing this information. My, others, my mother isn't back from her trip. Do I ask her about the will? I'm not sure I can convince her to change it, but I'd, I'd give it a try if, she, if I didn't think she'd um, decide to give everything to charity just to ensure that my sister never gets it. I could try giving my sister a heads up, but I'm afraid that she'd be so angry that she'll confront our mother about it, leading to the same outcome. I also fear that she might subconsciously resent me when she learns of our mother's will, be it sooner or later. The only possibility I see is to just remain silent and wait, feigning surprise after our mother is gone. What do you think the best route is? I'm going to take this one. Um, just for anybody who's close to me, this has nothing to do with my family. And uh, I actually feel like I would be the one shorted in my mom's will. My mom and sister probably don't have the tightest, strongest relationship, but I definitely know each of them care immensely for each other. Very much so. Um, but one, this isn't your battle to fight. All right. This is a relationship that's independent from you. This is your sister's relationship with her mother. And this is your mother's relationship with her daughter. Now, if you want to feel charitable after the fact and pay off your sister, because you feel that's fair, go ahead. Although I think your sister would probably um, not allow, would not accept the money. In that case, if you believe that's the right thing to do, then you will want to set up some type of fund for your sister's children, should she ever decide to have children. If not, it just dissolves and goes back to your estate. But if, you're, if you believe in doing the right thing, that would be the right thing to do, in my opinion. Um, but I don't think it's your fight to fight. I think uh, that's their relationship. And I think they're both aware of that relationship. So, yeah, but the sister clearly doesn't doesn't suspect that she would be effectively cut out of the will entirely, which is what it sounds like. And obviously, it's not 100% cut out, but like 90% to 
that's sending yeah, a clear message. Look, and, and here's the issue is that we have this society today that doesn't want anybody to feel bad, that wants everything to be all right. And unfortunately, I don't think that's a solution. I don't think I think I don't think protecting people's feelings is going to is going to help us get any further as a society. And I don't think protecting your sister's feelings is going to help you get your family any further. Okay, so think. Let's just ask this question then: Should she tell her sister the state of the will as it is right now? No. Okay. I think the only solution would be to encourage your sister to have a better relationship with the mother and encourage the mother to have a better relationship with the sister. And you gauge them if they're both down for that or one is down for that, you know, then you encourage the other one. And if they're, you know, if one isn't down for that, then you encourage them a little more, but otherwise it's not your fucking place, bro. So yeah, the first thing I would say is I don't think that it's a good idea to tell the sister about what you know, like that's something that you're just going to have to swallow. And if you think that it's fair that you and your sister get 50-50, then after the mother dies and the will is read and your sister finds out she's only getting 10% and you're getting 90, you just got to be quick on the draw and say, I don't think this is fair. We're going to find a way of splitting this 50-50. And just also, to- it's, it's free money, so you, 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 like, well, you can't right, but- for that money. That's yeah. You're that's you're. But you you have to just get out ahead of it. And as soon as the lawyer says, "And to sister one, I give ninety percent, and to sister two, I give ten percent," before the lawyer gets to the next sentence, you need to go to your sister and say, "I can't believe that she did this. We're going to find a way of splitting this up fifty-fifty." Yeah, I think that's that's fair. All right, let's move on to the next question. We got only a few minutes left. We got like six, seven minutes left, um, and I want to hit some more of these questions. So uh, let me, I'll hit the questions and we'll try to visit them just so we know what we're up against. Where do I meet a quality man outside of a bar or a gym? Uh, Do Americans have personal accountability issues? Yes. How do you beat a losing battle? Uh, How do I continue to show my boyfriend he is the love of my life? So which one do you want to hit? Uh, how do you beat a losing battle? Let's, let's hit that one real quick. Um, so my thinking is it's either a relationship or it's a health issue. So if it's a, could be a job thing too. Maybe, but job thing, I would pull the relationship. So one, if it's like cancer, my, and it's a losing battle, like it's terminal cancer. My advice is you live the fuck out of the remaining years that you have and, and and work your absolute hardest to enjoy what you have left. Yeah. Uh, that's as simple as that. If it's a relationship, so you're trying this relationship, it's not really working, you're ending up sad, you're ending up just getting fucked over a lot. Um, I think you just need to look internally and build yourself up and realize that and ultimately, if you do everything you can to be your best self, you will realize that you are better than that relationship and you will ultimately leave for a better opportunity that presents itself. Uh, I'm not saying just cut that person off completely, but I think sometimes that's what you have to do. It may be, but I also think you need to focus on being your best self. And ultimately, once you get close to the peak, to the summit of being your best self, you will realize now that you have a better view from up there that you have better options. And those better options are indeed better. And it's a no brainer. And you're not going to feel any type, any bad way about abandoning that relationship. 
And same thing when it goes for a job situation. That means you'd go back to school and you're off time. It means you could pick up another part-time job. So a lot of shit you can do in 2021 to make some money on the side. That's what you need to do. Do you have any uh, additional or conflicting advice? Not really. I would say like it's the question doesn't give me enough detail to be able to really answer it, but it's, if you, if you know that you're in, in a losing battle, stop fighting. The sooner you stop fighting, the better, because you can devote your resources to something else. And like, you can look at war, like why do armies retreat? And the reason is if they keep on fighting, they lose more men than if they retreat. So you retreat, you find a better position and you get ready for the next battle. And sure you lost that battle, but you could have either stayed and fought and lost everybody, or you can retreat and keep 50% of your troops and the rest of those troops can fight the next battle. So find a way of being able to minimize your losses and be prepared for whatever comes next. And I think that that, that pretty much plays with what you're saying of like, if you're fighting a health battle or whatever, well, find a way of minimizing your losses and be ready to fight the next thing. Job, same thing. Get yeah. out if you feel like you need to get out, minimize your losses, and and the yeah. sun rises tomorrow. All right, let me just hit a quick TikTok question from Heather Forty Nine ers. Uh, Heather, oh Heather 49ers, uh talking about the uh, the will leave it alone. I have an uh, older brother who was a problem child. My mother, I was my mother's executrix of the estate of the trust. Um, if there's a problem. Uh, it's more of a problem if you try to intervene and it can become a huge problem because you are controlling the estate. Uh, uh, let's just answer the question. Do Americans have accountability issues? And uh, I think that's very much the case. Uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, really the question needs to be how can people be more accountable we don't have time um, to answer that right well, now. And I think in short, we kind of touched on this a little earlier. Um, and it's learning when to say no and when to say yes. But you, you need to say no when you know it's something that you can't live up to. Let's hit this. Uh, uh, I want to answer how do I show uh, my boyfriend he's a love of my life. And my advice would be you be the best self that you can be. And you hold them accountable and make sure that they're being the best self that they can be. Uh, and then, are you cool with that answer? We'll move on. More or less. That, that, okay. That's a really open-ended one. No, but yeah, but I think being your best self and helping the other party be them best selves is, in holding them to that best self is really important. And then the last question is, for now, is uh, where do I meet a quality man uh, uh, outside of a bar, Jim? Your thoughts on that? we got two minutes left. Um, my search for a quality man is as of yet fruitless. <laughs> Have you been searching hard for a quality man? Yeah. Oh, okay. can't find them anywhere. All right. Um, but I, I, I honestly don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. Same kind of issue with, uh, like you're new to a city and you're trying to make friends, join a group where that, that shares your interests or I don't know, hop on a dating app and start swiping right. All right, so my thinking is less where and more how. And I know I got some pushback, you know, in a recent episode where, I, you know, I was saying, look, you can't fuck everybody on the first night. 
you need to hold out a little bit. Um, you can't be too open. <laughs> you got to You got to know when to. You got to know when to back off. And and you know. And we did a whole episode on red flags. Um, but you know what? Hold on. I'm gonna like the question is where can I find the perfect man? My first response is lower your standards. Well, that's maybe a good answer. Maybe not. But, but the point is, I got a lot of pushback in that. But also, we're in a an era where there are an insane number of breakups. So I think. I think you, you, yeah, you have to set standards, but also you have to, you have to play games a little bit. And we can have a whole episode on games, which is shitty to do. We're running. Oh, I'm going to argue with you hard on this one. Oh, of course, of course you are. Of course you are. But it gets back to the the point that we're in an era where there are many breakups and the highest level of divorces there's ever been. So you have to know how and when to play games and, and you can't just throw your cards on the table because if you're playing poker, you can't throw your cards on the table. That's yeah, but gonna... that's a false analogy. Let's hit these comments real quick. MJ says the perfect man doesn't exist. And Lisa says quality anyone is going to depend on what you're looking for. All right, we're out of time. Catch you guys next time. Subscribe. James, stay on for a second. Raj, yep. stay on for a second. See you guys. Thank you for joining. All right, my friends, that's it. It's over with. Let me know. Do we give good advice? Is there anything you want advice on? Um, and I'll uh, see you guys next time. So thank you for joining. See you then. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.